Oftentimes, we can get to a place of complacency in the church. We can be very comfortable where we are, but God has challenged us as believers in the body of Christ to step out of our comfort zone and expand His kingdom. This series is about submitting to God's will and vision for the church, being completely dedicated, heart and soul. Good morning. Everybody good? Everybody excited? Who's excited to be in church this morning? Everybody ready? It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm excited um, about what God's already done here today and believing he's already doing and going to do uh, in this service as well. Um, And so I want to get into it pretty quickly, but first of all, I want to echo one of the things that John said, and that is um, our appreciation for the veterans here at uh, Connection Church and very thankful for them. And uh, just the freedom that we have, it's so easy to take it for granted and yet so many people have paid such a great price for it. Um, and just, uh, you know, I think about it like this, it's kind of like a church family or any family, you kind of have your, your problems, you kind of have your issues within the family. Um, and you might be able to talk and say something about the family, but nobody else can. I kind of feel like that about our country. We may have our issues with healthcare or different things, but, but it's still the best country in the world. Amen. And, uh, if you don't think so, you should probably go live in another one. So just, just saying that, go ahead and make friends today and, um, throw that out there. But uh, we're going to continue this service today um, and continue this series. This is the next to the last message in this series. Um, and uh, next week we're celebrating the five-year anniversary. It's going to be awesome. We're bringing our commitment cards for one and one which is going to be cool. And I uh, can't wait to see what God does through that. Um, we're having one service. I can't wait to get everybody in here. I'm hoping we have to pull some chairs in and things. And we just fill this place up. And we, we thank God for what he's done and what he's going to do. It's going to be a good time. We get to baptize people. That's always awesome. And so that will be winding up the heart and soul series. So um, looking forward to what God's going to do the next couple of weeks. And we're going to continue today in 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to read the first 14 verses and then we'll jump in to the message. So go ahead and turn there. Um, today we're going to be talking about something that on one hand is, is, is so important, but on the other hand is, is so difficult sometimes for us to grasp and, and really to um, grab hold of. And that is being able to hear the voice of God. Because one of the things we want for everybody here at Connection Church is we want you to listen to God and do what he says. That's what we tell people all the time. Whatever God's telling you to do, do that. And so it can be very um, abstract, sometimes even feel difficult to hear the voice of God. And sometimes the more difficult part is to do what God's telling you to do, right? And so we're going to look at that and talk about those things today. So let's read 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 14. And then we'll jump in, um, set it up. Samuel, uh, at this point is probably about a teenager. Most scholars believe he was a teenager at this point. Um, so there's a good point for you teenagers that Samuel heard God, uh, you can too. And Samuel's being used by God and you can be used by God as well. But he's, he's, um, teenager. He's under the uh, guidance of a man by the name of Eli who had his own issues. But Samuel's mother, when he was very young, uh, committed him to the service of God and the service in his temple. And so um, this is where we find Samuel at the point when he begins to hear um, the voice of the Lord. So first Samuel chapter three, verse one, it says the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. So sometimes if hearing the voice of the Lord and following the voice of the Lord seems a little complicated, it was a little complicated for Samuel too. 
Again, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time and Samuel went or got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you say, speak Lord for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons, his sons made themselves contemptible. And he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. And so Samuel hears the voice of the Lord for the first time. Let's pray and, and ask God that today we wouldn't just be here talking about hearing the Lord, but today we would hear God speak into our hearts and into our lives. And we would hear the voice of the living God. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we can gather together. God, I thank you that you are a living God, that you are a God of, of real and living relationships. God, you're not a deaf, dumb, mute idol, but you speak to us, Lord. You speak to our hearts and God, you guide us and lead us in your will. Lord, have your way here. Now I ask, I pray that your word, um, as your word says, Lord, that it would be living and active in us right now, speaking to our hearts. God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll take you back uh, real quick to start out with to one of my earliest memories as a child. And it was, um, I guess I'm, I was around the age of five or six years old. And uh, I was in the backyard. We lived in Noonan, Georgia. Anybody from Noonan, Georgia? Some people, there's a lot of people around here from Noonan. It's kind of crazy. Um, and so we lived in Noonan, Georgia for a few years. And, uh, and, and, and we, blah, 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 blah. I promise. Um, I'm not that dumb. But we lived in Noonan, and uh, at our house, I was in the backyard one day, and I loved the little balloon, I meant balloon, bubble things that you would put in, you know, put the stick in, you pull it out, you blow the bubbles, and it's awesome, right? And as a kid, like, it'll entertain you for hours, so I think my mom and dad kept me stocked with bubbles, and so I just, it was in the backyard blowing the bubbles, and, uh, and I looked over, and I was standing near an air conditioner unit in the back of our house, and uh, it, it's got the big fan on it, you know, the fan turns, it blows a lot of air out, so pretty logical kind of guy, right? And so I'm thinking, if I pour the bubbles into the fan, it should make a bunch of bubbles, and so that's just my, my thought. I thought, yeah, this will work. This is a good idea. And so I walk over and, and I didn't know like how this was going to turn out. And so I just started pouring the bubbles into the air conditioner unit. I was a little disappointed. Bubbles didn't start coming out. But about the time I start pouring, my mom walks out the back door and she sees me pouring the bubbles into the air conditioner unit. She's like, Brandon, what are you doing? What does it look like I'm doing? You know what I mean? I was like, I'm pouring bubbles into the air conditioner unit. This is very logical. I'm trying to make bubbles. And so she's like, don't do that. And I was like, why? She's like, because it might tear something up. I'm like, they're just bubbles. And I was like, how am I even, this was my question. How am I even supposed to know that I'm not supposed to do this? And she was like, you know that little voice inside of you that you hear sometimes that says, don't do this or do that? I was like, that voice I ignore most of the time. Yeah, I know that voice. 
Especially the one that says, don't do that, right? I was like, yeah, I know that voice. And she was like, well, listen to it and do what it says. And this is what I'll tell you about that experience. It's not that I, I'm not saying that that was God speaking to me. What I am telling you is that at that moment in my life, I began to do something that I believe became very important as I began to learn about the Lord and I began to learn to hear the voice of the Lord. And that was, I began to look inside myself for information. I began to look inside myself for guidance. At this time, I was a lot like Samuel. I didn't know the Lord at that time. Um, but, but I began to look inside and I began to realize that there was information inside of me that I could gather. And, and the thing I would tell you about hearing the voice of God is that when we begin to look inside as we are spirit-filled believers, believers who have received the Holy Spirit, God will speak, God will lead, God will guide us in his will, in his good, pleasing, and perfect will, okay? Today, I want you to, maybe for the first time, you've never really even tried to listen to the voice of God. Maybe you've always lived based off of externals or the things you can figure out in your mind. My prayer is that we would be a people, and I want this for all of our people, who listen to the voice of God and do what God says. And so I want to lay a little bit of groundwork to begin this thing and, and just go very systematically, really, through this process of how do we hear God? How do we know it's God? Why, why might I not be hearing God? And we're going to look at some of these questions. The first thing I would love for you to write down, if you're going to take notes, if you're not, um, go ahead and go to sleep. Um, we'll wake you up when it's over, maybe. Um, but the definition I would like to give you, and if you, um, if you want to write this down, is that it's an impression. Hearing God, his voice, it's an impression, a voice, or an event that leads us in God's will for our lives. An impression, a voice, an event that leads us in God's will for our lives. I'll be honest with you, I've never heard that booming voice. Like I've talked to people that are like, yeah, and I heard God speak. God doesn't do that to me because he knows I would pass out, right? He knows that I would be hiding under a desk or a chair or something. And so I have had experiences and have experiences and hope I'll have experiences every day of my life in which God impresses. He, he shows me things that are just in my heart. And I just have learned to see that it's God. In fact, the next thing I would tell you, other than the definition of an impression of voice or event that leads us in the will of God, is that this process of hearing God, it's a learned process. It's a learned thing. As you see here with Samuel, as he began to hear the Lord speak and calling his name, it wasn't something that he recognized immediately. He began to learn. It was a process that he began to go through to begin to hear the voice of God. Over in John, the gospel of John in chapter 10, Jesus is talking about believers and those who would follow him. And he's relating us to sheep. And he's saying the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And we know that Jesus said that he is the good shepherd. In other words, he's saying my sheep will know my voice. And he says they'll follow me. They'll know my voice and they'll follow me. But the reality of it is when the shepherd first walked out into the sheep pen, they would not have known his voice. They had to learn his voice. They had to learn that it is good to follow this person. Jesus said that any other voice they hear, they won't follow. In fact, they'll run away from it. Many of us would do good to be able to recognize the voice of the Lord and to run away from a lot of the voices that we're following. But to hear the Lord and to follow. And so we begin to see that this is a process. So it's, it's learned. It's something we grow into. The third thing I would tell you about it is that you have to believe that God still speaks. 1 Samuel 3, 1 says that the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli. And it says, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. I would tell you this, that just because you perceive God to be silent, doesn't mean he's absent. absent. It doesn't even mean that he's not speaking. 
God still speaks. I've heard people try to say that the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything anymore, that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak. There is nothing biblically that teaches us that. There are some stretches you can make, but there's nothing biblically that that, 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 that is founded upon. God still speaks to us today. The next thing is that you got to believe God wants to speak to you, right? And God still speaks and it's easy for you to sit there. And this is what happens in a lot of messages. It's easy for you to sit there and go, that's true for you, meaning me, but it's not true for you. God still wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to your heart. Why? Because he is a living God who loves you and desires a relationship with you. He wants to speak to you. You. And in a lot of messages, we go, that must be for them or them or them or them. Not me. No, it's for you. God desires to speak to you. He desires a living relationship with you. The problem with us when we're in just this relationship of religious activity, we become bored. We become frustrated. We, 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 we don't um, have a joy in the Lord. Why? Because we're just going through religious activity. We're not experiencing a real living relationship with Jesus. Jesus still speaks to our hearts. He still speaks to our, our spirits and he still leads and he guides us with his voice. And he guides us in life. We've got to believe that he still wants to speak. Listen, dads, you need to be praying. How many of you who have children, you need to be praying. God, how do I raise this child? What do you want me to do with this child? I've got a 10, a 7, and almost 3. And, and, and I ask God constantly, like, God, I don't know, this is a new phase. I hope it's a phase because I hope this doesn't last forever, right? This whole wedgie thing, like, it's got to stop. And how do I handle this? What do I do with this, Right? You know, you get them and they're two, three years old. They walk around with their finger up their nose all the time. You're like, I hope this is a phase. I hope this stops before they're a teenager, right? And, and, and I'm just praying, like, God, what do I do with this? Like, how do, I, how do I raise this child to know you? Speak to me, guide me, lead me, show me. I wonder how many parents are praying. Fathers, how many of you are praying and seeking? Husbands, how many of you are praying and seeking how to lead your wife, hearing God so you know which direction to go, so that you can begin to, to share that with her and not just, just, just existing or doing what always seems to make sense, but actually listening to the voice of the Lord lead you and guide you. God wants to speak to you, not just the preacher, right? Jesus tore the veil of the temple so that we could all come into his presence, all be in a relationship with him, not just the preacher. And God desires to speak to your heart. One of the things we have to do as well, if we're going to hear the voice of God, we we can't be ashamed of it. We can't be ashamed. We can't be, we got to be people who say, this is how I live my life. I listen to the Lord and I follow. I listen to the Lord and I do what he says. It's easy to become ashamed of that and be like, well, why do you do what you do? Well, God told me, right? Because it sounds kind of crazy and people have made it crazy. I've had people come up to me and say, thus says the Lord. And I'm like, what? Like, just, just talk to me. You know what I mean? First of all, I don't know you. So I'm probably not going to move to Africa because you told me to, right? Second of all, like you're kind of weird. And so it's just one of these things where we we don't want to be like a fruitcake, right? Like nutty and nobody likes us. That's basically what a fruitcake is. And a lot of people end up that way because God said, God said, and we throw the God said card at everybody. But the reality of it is we have to be people who can say, I feel like the Lord is leading me. I'm going to follow. 
And God begins to speak and we begin to follow and we begin to live and we begin to trust him. The next question or the question, the first one I'd like to answer is how do we hear God? You ever wondered that? Like, how do I even hear him? Like, what's it like? How do I know? How, how do we hear God? How does God speak to us? The first one is this, that he speaks to us through his word. He speaks through his word, his written word, the canon of scripture, this Bible that Hebrews 4 says is living and active. When we interact with scripture, it interacts with us. It's not like any other book. It is a book that changes our heart because it is alive. When we allow this good seed of this word to get into our lives, it begins to change our lives. It begins to change our heart when we begin to interact with it and we open our hearts and our lives to receive what it says. I experienced this probably for the first time. It was about nine months after I became a Christian. And Susan, uh, my wife and I, we, we went on our first anniversary trip. And, and Susan was like, I know what I want to do for my anniversary, our first anniversary. I was like, what? It's like, you know, I'm thinking Mexico. I'm thinking Bahamas. I'm thinking anywhere but Helen, Georgia, right? Like that never crossed my mind. She's like, I want to go to Helen, Georgia. I was like, why? She's like, we used to go there when I was a kid. It's the coolest place you've ever been. I was like, all right, let's go, right? And, and so we load up and our first anniversary, we go up to Helen and, and we, we get to the hotel we're staying at and, and, and we get out and we start walking. I'm like, what do you want to do? She's like, let's go into town. I'm like, all right. So we start walking and we walked up one street and we turned around and we walked back down. That same street. And I looked at her and I was like, where's the rest of it? And she's like, well, I think that's it. I was like, what? And she's like, I think it was a lot bigger when I was little, right? And so I'm like, well, all right. And so we go back and we get back to the hotel room and we, we had gone and we ate dinner and we come back. And, and I mean, it's first anniversary, right? I'm, you know, really, she went to sleep and... I was, I was there and obviously in, in great frustration, right? I, I'm laying there and I'm like, all right, good, awesome. And so I, I look over and I can still see it to this day in my mind. Um, this green Bible that I read, it was the first Bible I actually ever read and really studied. And, and uh, I remember that Bible sitting there and it was almost like it was like, hey, you need to pick me up. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm and so I finally picked it up and I turned to 1 Corinthians, just ended up in the book of 1 Corinthians. And as I started reading um, through 1 Corinthians, man, the word began to come alive to me. It began to speak to my heart in a way that it never had before. And I began to realize that Hebrews 4 is true, that God's word is living, that it is active, that when I go to the word and I say, Lord, speak to my heart, I don't want to just do some religious activity of reading about who you are. I want to experience you right here. I don't have to be in an auditorium with six, seven, eight hundred people. I can be in my bedroom by myself or frustrated on a first anniversary trip and you can still speak to my heart. And God began to speak to me through 1 Corinthians and, and I began to be challenged and convicted and encouraged. And I remember that day left me different than, it, than, than I'd ever been before because I realized that God's word is alive and God still speaks to us through his word. Second Timothy three sixteen tells us that all scripture is God breathed, meaning it came from God, that he literally has spoken this word that is his word and it's alive. Aren't you glad today that Jesus is not dead, but he's very alive. Aren't you glad today you don't serve some dead, dumb, mute idol, but you serve a living God, Jesus, who right now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on those who have put their faith in him, who still desires to speak and lead and guide your life. His word still speaks. The second way I would tell you we hear God is through prayer, through prayer. 
through giving God time, through not just running through a list of, of things that we, we, we want, but, but actually saying, God, I need to hear you. I want to hear you speak. And we actually listen. Samuel took time to listen. He was there. He made himself available. Lord, here I am. Speak to your servant. Your servant is listening. And the Lord began to speak to his heart. God desires to speak to you too, but we've got to give him time and we've got to listen. We've got to give him an opportunity to speak. And that sounds crazy in and of itself that we would have to say, let's give God an opportunity to speak, right? He's a God of the universe. Why would we not want to hear from him? And yet God says, just give me time. I've had so many people who come up to me and they'll, they'll have been wrestling with something for so long. And they'll say, listen, um, I've been thinking about this. I've had this issue in my life and, and, or I've got this decision that I'm facing. I've been praying about it and praying about it and praying about it, but I just don't know what to do. And, and, and of course, my first question, if they don't say it is, have you prayed? And they'll say, yeah, I've been praying about it. And then I'll say, well, have you listened? And every time, I, I, I kid you not, Every time I've ever said, have you listened? I get that deer in the headlight look. It's like, like, wow, that is profound. But if I'm having a conversation with you and you're telling me stuff and I'm not listening, I'm just busy going about all of my regular stuff and doing everything. I don't hear you either. It makes sense that God, sometimes he does drastic things to get our attention. But the reality of it is from day to day to day to day, we've got to give him time and we've got to listen. God will speak to our hearts, but we've got to listen. A third way that God speaks to us is through our spouse or through godly friends. Our spouse, I thank God for a wife who listens to the Lord. There's been so many times where Susan has, has like I would, this is typically how it happens. I come to Susan and I'm like, hey, um, I think we should do X, right? And, and God will typically give me the direction and then give her the timing. Because this is typically how the conversation goes. Susan, I really think we should do X. And she'll look at me and be like, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I'm like, don't you tell me my idea is dumb. I hear the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And so she's like, you know, that's, that's a, and then a few months later, and, and women are hard to figure out sometimes. They're hard to figure out, hard to put your finger on and, and kind of get what's going on and what's ticking around in there, right? And so, so she'll come back to me a few months later. And she'll be like, you remember when you said that we ought to do that? We should do that now. I'm like, I'm so confused. I thought that was the dumbest idea ever. No, no, no. It makes sense now. I'm like, oh. And so God so many times gives me a direction. And he gives Susan the timing. And, and I don't know how your relationship works, but here's the thing. Both people have to be hearing God. If you're in a marriage, you, you, you're, you should both be pursuing Jesus and hearing God and, 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 and walking that out together, right? For some of you, you may not be married, but you've got godly friends, godly guy friends, right? Godly girl friends and guys, you need to get with those guys and girls, you need to get with those girls and you need to bounce those things off of people. I've got friends in my life who, when I have something that, that I can go to, and I can say, man, how does this sit with you? How do you feel about this? What do you feel like the Lord's saying to you about this? I did it this week with a friend of mine. I was like, how do you feel about this direction that I'm walking in this particular thing? Do you feel, what do you feel? He's like, your heart's in the right place. I don't sense any arrogance. I don't don't sense any pride. Just keep walking. You're doing a good job. Keep walking. I was like, cool, man. Awesome. And so I kept walking, right? 
We need those people. That's one reason community is so important. So that we can get together with other believers, other people who are seeking the Lord. And we can come together and we can walk through life together. Having people who will say, don't do that. I don't think that's good. Let's pray about that. Let's stop and just take a minute. And having people who will speak truth into our lives. We need those godly friends who can speak into our, our lives and our hearts. Sometimes I'll be talking to a friend of mine and, and, and just as I begin to share what it is that's on my heart and what I feel like the Lord's put in my heart, just as it's coming over my lips, I can go, that's not God. And there's something just about voicing it, just about saying it, just about speaking it to someone else that in my spirit, I know that the Holy Spirit is saying, don't, that's not it. And sometimes I'll say it and I'll feel the Lord go, yes. That's it. And I'll begin to get more and more excited. I realize this is the Lord leading. But we have to have those friends, those people in our lives who lead us. The fourth way we hear God is through events in our lives. Um, this past week, our children's director, Olivia Sanhagen, had uh, their third child, little girl. They got two boys, had a little girl. Um, awesome. You know, we went by, I saw them. I stuck our head into the room for a minute, checking on them. And Susan and I were, were in there and we walk in and the baby's asleep. And so my thing is like, I know when we had our babies, like if they are asleep, like you do not wake a sleeping child. They're like, no, we, we got to feed it. I'm like, nope. If it gets hungry, it will wake up. Right. I'm like, let that thing sleep. And, and, and so I'm like, you know, the baby's sleeping cool. Let the baby sleep. And then I turn my back for like two seconds and Susan's over there holding the baby. I'm like, put that baby down. And one reason was I thought the baby needed to sleep. The other reason is those things are contagious. And ladies, you know that those are contagious. And Susan's always wanted a little girl. And I'm just like, no, you know, I don't have little girls. I, I produce boys. That's just what I do. Three boys, not no little girls, just boys. Right. And, and so she's holding the baby. I'm like, put that baby down. And because I know lounge and we walk out, she's like, you know, it'd be nice to have a little girl. It sure would. Too bad it didn't happen. You got to nip that thing in the bud. You know what I mean? Like just right there, right there. Just real quick, real quick. We can, we got friends with little girls. We can get them over there, play with them, put bows in their hair, send them home. And, and that's, that's what we do. And so, um, but, but the thing that, that happens so many times is the birth of that child, man, it's an event that changes your life because what you begin to realize is how much you love that child. And I know for me, especially having sons, I had, uh, three boys and, and my, when my first son was born, I couldn't believe how much I loved this alien looking thing. You know what I mean? He wasn't even really that cute. His head was like this. And, and I was like, is, uh, the first question I asked the daughter was not, is everything okay? The first question I asked was, is his head going to stay like that? Because if his is going to be like that. We're going to use it for a hat rack or something because that thing was just, it was so pointed. And, and, and so, but I already loved this child. I remember being in the, uh, the, the hospital room the day after he was born, my father-in-law was in there. And I remember telling him like, I'm already dreading the day he leaves, right? And goes out and goes to college. Like I already loved this baby so much. And it was so incredible. And then when I began to relate that back to my relationship with Christ and I began to realize what God had done for me through his son, that he had sacrificed his son. He had given his only son so that I, wretched me, could be forgiven, could be made righteous in his sight and could be in a relationship with him. And it just spoke to my heart in such a way that God said, I did this for you. I gave him up to take my wrath, to take my anger, to take your sin so that you could live and be free. That event spoke to my life. 
I talk to a lot of men, these tough men, right? I eat nails. You know what I mean? These tough men. And then they have a child and they're like, <laughs> you know, they're just sobbing, puddles. And I got a friend of mine. I was talking to him on the phone after their first child. He's like, man, it's just crazy. I don't even know why I'm crying. You know? And it just changes our lives. And God speaks to our hearts through those events, through those things in our life. And he begins to shape and mold things in our heart and in our lives through events. Some of them good, some of them not. And, and so many times we should stop and say, God, what are you trying to teach me in this? Even through the bad times, because we know that Romans 8 is true, that all things work to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes, right? And so, God, what are you teaching me? What are you speaking to me? What are you showing me? What are you wanting me to get out of this? Because I know that these things will work together for the good of you and your kingdom and even for me, even when it seems to hurt. So we've got those four things, his word, prayer, our spouse and godly friends, events that God speaks to us through. The next session I would go through or want to go through with you is how do you know you heard God? How do I know that it's God speaking and not just me? How do I know that it's the Lord speaking to my heart and I didn't just drink too much Mountain Dew and eat too much pepperoni pizza, got heartburn and think I should be a missionary, right? I mean, how do you know that it's the, the Lord, right? How do you know? Well, the first thing I would tell you is this. If you wait to be 100% comfortable, you'll never follow if you wait to be 100% comfortable, you'll never follow. I did not say if you wait to be 100% certain that it's God. Hearing God, you can be very certain. But sometimes the magnitude of what God's telling us to do makes us wonder, did I hear God? Sometimes the outcome of what he asks us to do makes us wonder, did I hear God? If we wait to be 100% comfortable, we'll never get there. But we can know that the Lord is speaking to our heart. And we can confirm it as we begin to move forward with what he's laid on our heart. One way we know is that God confirms what has been spoken to us through his word, through the Bible, through scripture. This is what I would tell you. God will never tell you to do anything that goes against his word. He will not contradict himself. For example, if you're at a hotel or hotel at a restaurant and the waitress comes up and you feel in your heart, in your spirit, something says... I should invite her to church. That's probably not the devil, right? It's probably God. I would take that step of faith and ask, right? Hey, why don't you come to church? I go to this great church, right? Preacher's a little, little, he's a little off. He's not quite right, but everything else band is great. Come to church with me. Probably if, if your heart, you feel somebody, it feels, it feels like, man, I should pray for somebody. Probably not Satan, Right? He's probably not leading you to pray for somebody. It's probably God. Does it go along with the word? Yes. We're supposed to invite people into the body of Christ. Yes. To church. Yes. We're supposed to pray for people. Yes. It all goes with the word of God. But then when there's things in our heart or that we, we, we try to uh, um, twist the word to try to make it what we want it to say, right? And a lot of us are good at that. Like this is the thing I promise you. Like God did not say it's okay for you to sleep around outside of marriage, right? Like just bottom line. He just didn't say it. And I have people all the time. He said, well, well, you know, I prayed and I just feel like God said it's okay. No, he didn't. That was not the voice of the Lord. That voice came from somewhere else, right? It was not the Lord. And so we have to realize if it doesn't line up with his word, God didn't tell you to jump into an affair. He didn't. He did not tell you that. He didn't. 
Because it goes contradictory to his word. He's not going to tell you to do something that goes contradictory to his word. Here's what we hear when people say those kinds of things. We try to rationalize our behavior by saying God said it's okay when it's obviously contradictory to what he's already told us. This is what I typically hear. Well, I know that God wants me to be happy, so I think it's okay. God does want you to be happy. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have joy in his life. That's why he leads you away from things that will hurt you. God does desire for you to be happy, but ultimately, rather than your happiness, God is more concerned with your holiness. And so just because it makes us happy or it feels good or it feels right doesn't mean it's God. If it contradicts his word, we know without a shadow of a doubt, it's not God. So we'll never be 100% comfortable. God will confirm it in his word. He will never tell us to do anything that's contradictory to his word. The third thing is it's confirmed by seeking godly wisdom. It's confirmed by seeking godly wisdom. I talked about spouses. I talked about friends. If we go to our friend who we know hears the Lord, who we know loves us, loves Jesus, and they say, I wouldn't, no, I don't know about that. I don't think I'd do that. I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd do that. We need to listen. We need to listen. We need to have it confirmed. I'll never make a major decision. I mean, like if I go to Wendy's, I don't call Susan and be like, you think I should get a number two or number three? But I never make a major decision without Susan being on board. I trust that she hears God. I won't do it. Even if I pout and poke out my lips and act like a baby because she doesn't agree with me. We don't do it. Because we need to have people in our lives who love us. I don't listen to people unless I know they love Jesus, love the church, and love me. Why would I listen to somebody that doesn't love Jesus? Why would I listen to somebody that doesn't love you, right? Why would I listen to somebody who doesn't love me? If those things don't go together, I don't listen. That means I don't get mad about it. I just don't listen. And we all need people in our lives, those friends who will speak truth, even when sometimes that truth hurts. Most of us, a lot of us probably have somebody in our life that rather than being a friend who speaks truth, they're a fan. You could tell them anything that you wanted to do and they'd be like, that's awesome. Do that. I think I'm going to climb up on the tallest building in Statesboro, which would be about 24 feet. And I'm going to jump off. And I think God's going to catch me. That's a great idea. Either they really don't like you or they're nuts, right? They're fans. They would just tell you whatever you want to hear. Just rubber stamp it. Go on. Yeah, that's great. Go ahead. Yeah, that that sounds like God. And then we have other people in our lives who are foes. Just people who come against us no matter what. We can be like, I got you this golden egg. It's worth $2 million. I love you here. And they'd be like, why didn't you get one worth $3 million? You know what I mean? It's just nothing's ever good enough. You're never good enough. They're just critical. Critical spirit about everything. About you and about who you are and about everybody else. We don't listen to foes either. We listen to friends who are willing to speak the truth into our lives. So three ways we can, from one, you got to realize you'll never be 100% comfortable. Typically, if you're 100% comfortable, what you feel like God's telling you to do is because you believe you can do it on your own without his help. Because when you put yourself in a situation where you say, there's no way I can possibly do this if God doesn't show up, there's a part of us that goes, oh, Right? Oh my. And so we have to realize that. Second, it's confirmed in his word. Third, it's confirmed by seeking godly wisdom. The fourth question or third question, fourth thing I would tell you today is this. Why do I need to hear God? 
Like, what's the big deal? Why, why would our church, why would our leaders, why would we want you to hear the Lord and do what he says? Why does it matter? The first one is this, to be saved. We want you to be saved. We want you to know God. We want you to hear his voice. Listen to John chapter one, verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. We want you to be saved. Is it not interesting that when Jesus came, the Bible says he came as the word made flesh. Why would he come as the word made flesh? Because he wanted to speak to you. He wanted to show you the way of salvation. He wanted to show you the way of life. And he still wants to speak to you so that you can be saved. Some of you in here know today, I have no relationship with Jesus. My prayer is that you would hear him speak to your heart and you today would accept the invitation of knowing him. He speaks so that we can be saved. To put it another way, when Jesus came in the flesh, I was riding down the road. I'm with Jackson the other day. And he starts telling me about this Iron Man suit he's going to build. And it was even greater and more extravagant than the Iron Man suit that we see on TV. And he's talking about it. And he goes, you know, the thing that I've realized is that the more I tell people about the Iron Man suit, the more they can picture it in their head. And me being preacher dad said, dad, Jackson, that's exactly why God sent Jesus. He's like, what? And why does this always have to go back to Jesus, Right. I'm like, it's just a curse, son. You live with me, right? And so I said, Jackson, here's the thing. The more we, we, we can picture things in our head or see things, the more we really know what it's like. And God loved us so much. He'd been trying to tell people all these years and all through these pages of the Old Testament what he was like. And so finally, God sent his son as the word made flesh so that we could understand who he is better. And he became this perfect picture of God. So if today you're wondering, what does God look like? Look at his son. Look at the fulfillment of the scripture that Jesus became the word made flesh to show us what God is like. Why did he become the word to speak to us, to speak to us about salvation, to speak to us the way of salvation, to speak to us about a better way of life, a better story that God's written through his gospel. Today, God's still speaking. We had a young lady sitting right over there earlier in the service. God spoke to her heart about her need for a relationship with Jesus. And she gave her life to Christ. God speaks and he wants us to hear so that we can be saved. Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. We've got to hear God speak. We've got to hear his voice. If you're in here today and you are saved, you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, it's because you heard God. You didn't just hear words, you heard God speak to your heart and say, you need me. And you received that invitation to enter into a relationship with him, one you didn't deserve, one you'll never clean up enough to get into, but one that he offers you nonetheless. The second reason that you need to hear God is to be confirmed in salvation. So many people, listen, Christians, people who put their faith in God, they still walk through life going, I hope I'm saved. Hope you're saved. The Bible says you should know you're saved. Why? Because the spirit of God lives in you. God desires to speak to you. He doesn't mind telling you that over and over again. It'd be like me minding telling my children I love them. God doesn't mind reminding you of this. Doesn't mind telling you. Listen to in Galatians chapter four, verse six. Paul says this to Galatians, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, father. 
The Spirit of God calling out, Abba, Father, reminding you of your salvation, reminding you of whose you are, who you belong to, that you are a child, a son, a daughter of God, to remind you that you were bought with a price, you belong to Him, that you're His child, reminding you of the hope of your salvation, that one day when this crazy life we live, when this crazy world we live in is done, and God comes back and Jesus comes back, that the greatest part of our lives would have just begun. Eternity with him. That salvation. He confirms us in our salvation. You need to hear God, number three. Number one, to be saved. Number two, to be confirmed in salvation. Number three, to be confirmed in your identity. Verse seven, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. He's your father. If you're in Christ, he is your father and you have become his son. It means that what was has passed away. That when you put your faith in Christ, you became a new creation. Your identity is now in him. It is in the life of Jesus, not in your past, not in your present, not even in your future. That the death of Jesus on the cross covered all sin for the rest of your life. Does it mean we go out and sin more? Absolutely not. Because the joy of the living God fills our heart. We know we're his sons. We know who we are. We know we were bought with a price and we live a life of joy and thanksgiving that brings him honor and brings him glory. We realize that our life exists not for ourselves, but to be like Christ and to fill the earth with the glory of God and to enjoy God forever. And our identity is changed, it's confirmed as we listen to what God says about us. Many of us listen to voices that are not of the Lord and you know how you know they're not of the Lord. They don't go along with this word. If you check the voice you're following, you check the people you're following, are they leading you into things that go along with what God said or are they leading you away from him? Girls, are you dating a guy that's leading you more to a bedroom than he is to Jesus? If you are, you need to ditch him. Guys, the same thing. Where are they leading you? Where are your friends taking you? Are they leading you closer to Christ? Because that's the best way. You'll never get to the end of your life, having lived your life serving Jesus, having followed him, having been obedient to what he tells you to do, and get to the end of your life and go, I wish I hadn't done that. You'll never regret it. Are you listening to God and doing what he says? Dad, are you listening to God and doing what he says? Mom, are you listening to God and doing what he says in your life? Do you know who you are? Do you know what it took to buy you, to purchase your life? Do you understand this great privilege of God that you've been able to enter into being his son and heir of the King of Kings and the Lord of lords and heir with Christ. We have to hear God for salvation, to be saved, to be confirmed in salvation. We have to be confirmed in our identity. And the fourth one, to be confirmed in your calling or purpose. Do you know why you exist? It's one of the biggest questions that we have in life. Why am I here? You know how you find out you hear God. You read his word and God speaks to your heart and says, you're here to have a relationship with me, to be like me and to spread my glory throughout the world. That's why you exist. That's why. Your calling and your purpose. Here's something else we hear a lot. Well, preacher, you know, I, I understand that's for you, but you're called to ministry. So are you. 
Mine happens here on Sunday and at a church office during the week. But where you get your paycheck does not determine whether or whether or not you're in ministry. What you do, where you are, and as you go, does. You're all called. You're called to preach. You're called to preach at your workplace. You're called to preach in the school. I know you say you can't. Do it anyway. You don't have to have a bullhorn. Love the kids. Take opportunity. Love those students in there. Go get coffee with them. Share why your life's different. Tell people about what God's done for you. But you're called to preach. You're called to preach with actions. And you're called to preach with words. They both have to exist. And we come and we begin to preach the gospel of Jesus to a broken world. Do you know why you exist? Because it's found in hearing God and hearing his word and hearing his voice and hearing other people speak into your lives who love him. That's where you figure out why you're here. Some of you need to realize that you're called. You need to say yes to a call on your life, to vocational ministry. Like you're called. I don't know if it'd be a missionary. I don't know if it'd be a pastor. I don't know if it'd be a discipleship um, coordinator. I don't know what it might be, but some of you have sensed it. Some of you have been walking with Jesus. You've sensed this, that God is calling me to something to do full time, like to be invested in this for my life's vocation, to do this with everything in me. Maybe it's time for you to say yes and to say, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to quit running. Some of you, that's your next step is to listen to God and say, yes, this is what he's called me to do. You quit running. Some of you, it's like in first Samuel three, he says, Samuel, Samuel, he says it twice. Why? He wants to get his attention. It's like when my children, they're doing something and, and, and I'm trying to get their attention and I'll be like, um, read, 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 read. What? Quit rubbing your brother's face in the carpet. Sometimes we don't hear because we don't want to do what we know the Lord is going to tell us to do. That's why we need to surrender all today. Why wouldn't you hear? Why wouldn't we know? Here's, here's the thing I realized, guys. And this is straight out of Samuel's life. 1 Samuel 3, 7. It says that Samuel had not, um, did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. For some of us in here, there's probably several of us in here. Our churches are full of people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. We're like Samuel. We spend a lot of time around God. Samuel served in the temple. He was around God all the time. And yet God had never revealed himself to him. I'm asking you today, has God revealed himself to you? Are you like Samuel where the Lord has never really become, come to him in a personal relationship? Have you surrounded yourself with religious activity, but you've never come to a relationship with Jesus? That you can say, I know I have been bought and paid for the price. I know who I belong to. I know whose I am. The living God is inside of me and it makes me cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. I'm yours and you are mine. You have that with him. One reason many people don't hear God is because simply put, and this is not to be offensive, this is to be truthful. And if it's offensive, it might be the best thing that can happen. Many of us haven't heard him because we don't know him. We've been around him, but we've never said, yes, I want a relationship. I want to hear him. I want to walk with him. I want to be obedient. When he says go left, I want to go left. When he says go right, I want to go right. When he says stand up, I want to stand up. When he says sit down, I want to sit down. Whatever he says, I want to do that because I realize what he's done for me and because he's changing my heart. 
Another reason is sometimes we have settled. There's people in here today who you've, you've experienced him in the past. You've heard him. You, you're walking with him. And yet somehow you settled. Somehow you quit seeking. Somehow you quit listening. You quit asking and seeking and knocking. And you just settled. And it's religious activity. And religious activity just becomes boring and frustrating and stale. And the Bible tells us that we cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And here's the thing for many of us. We're living on crumbs of past experiences. And what you need is an experience with Jesus where you hear his voice on a daily basis. And my promise is if you will seek him, you will find him. If you knock, the door will be opened. Have you quit seeking him? Do you know him? Many of you in here today, your life is dry and it's because you need to get with the Lord. He promised a lady at the well that he'd give her living water and it would overflow in her life. God will do that for you too, but are you seeking? Are you knocking? Are you asking? And then some of us, we don't want to seek and we don't want to ask and we don't want to knock because we know he's going to speak to us or he has spoken to us and we just don't want to do what he says. For some of us, there's some sin in our life that's keeping us from walking with God. There's something sin in our life because sin is not just an act, it's a direction of life. And for some of us today, there's something in our life we know God has put his finger on and he's had his finger on for a long time and he's saying it's time for this to be done and it's time for you to confess this and it's time for you to move on and you know today it's time for that thing to die so that you can come alive in Christ. For some of us today, We can't hear God because we haven't done the last thing he told us. We've stopped. He's he's guiding us and leading us and we just stopped and said no. My challenge to you today is this. Are you willing to say like we sang, I surrender all. It's easy to sing it, isn't it? It's easy to walk in here sometimes and lift up our hands and worship this God. And and yet yet, we, we sing, I surrender, and yet we've got everything like this. My challenge to you today is, is the Lord speaking to your heart and telling you, lay it all down and come to me. For some of us in here today, it means we need to accept the invitation of Jesus. We need to come to a place where we say, yes, Lord, I want to know you. I need to accept that invitation. I need a relationship with the living God. God, to heck with all this religious activity, I need to know him. I need to know Jesus. I need a relationship with the living God who will speak to my heart, who will lead me and guide me, who will comfort me in times of need, who will be there. And who I can serve all the days of my life making him famous. But many of us in here today don't know him. You've been around religious activity for the most part. All of us have. But have you ever come into a relationship with Jesus? This is what I would ask you today. If you have not, but the Lord is speaking to your heart. Remember, we prayed at the very beginning of this thing that we wouldn't talk about hearing God, but we would hear God. And you would say today, God has spoken to my heart. I know I need salvation. I know I need a relationship with Christ. He has spoken to my heart. And today is the day of salvation. And I want to accept that invitation. And today you would say, I need him. This is what I want you to do. I want you to just stick your hand. You put your hand way up in the air so we can see you right now. You put your hand in the air. We've already had one. Come on. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Who else? Put your hand up. Get it up. 
You know the Lord right now. Your heart's beating 100 miles an hour. And you know the Lord is speaking to your heart. And you say, I need him today. You put your hand. If you're in the back, wave it up in the air real high. So we can celebrate with you. This is what I'm going to ask you. Will you go, will you let us pray with you today? And Billy Shivers right over here to your right, my left. He would love to pray with you. If you want to go with him, whatever, um, man, we just want to celebrate with you, welcome you into the family and help you take your next steps, okay? God bless you. If you'll just get up and walk over there, we're going to, I want to talk to these others for just a minute. Here's the next thing I would tell you. You need to move right now. Somebody, you need to move right now because you know I need to receive salvation. Get up and go. Just get up and go. We'll just think you had to go to the bathroom. Just get up and go. Here's the other thing, though. Some of us in here today, right now, we need encouragement to take our next step. We need encouragement to be obedient. We need encouragement to let that thing that God's put his finger on die. We need encouragement to to take our next step. We need encouragement to lead our families. We need encouragement to be a husband who loves his wife as Christ loves the church. We need to be, uh, need encouragement to be the dad that God's called us to be. We need encouragement to be the friend God's called us to be. We need somebody to pray with us. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray a long prayer. Because I want you to have time. I want you to get up and walk out of these doors. There are going to be prayer team people out there. There are going to be people who will pray with you out there. In fact, I'm going to ask Kel, will you go ahead and open those doors? Just open the doors. Because this is the thing that's going to happen. And I pray it happens. I pray the Lord is speaking to your heart. And I'm praying that when those... When I start to pray, you'll begin to move and you'll give us the privilege and the honor of praying with you and walking with you and helping you be obedient to take your next steps in faith in Christ. So I'm going to pray and I, I'm asking, move. You, you go to according to the Lord's prompting. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you, God, that, that right now you're speaking to people's hearts. I thank you for salvation and that, God, you draw people to yourself. You speak to us, God. I pray, Lord, for the person right now who knows they need to move. I pray that their lives, their hearts will begin to be touched and their lives will begin to be changed. I pray for the person right now who's in a relationship that they know they shouldn't be in, that it's causing them pain. And, God, or that's been through a relationship that caused them pain. I pray that they would move for the person, God, who went through a tough divorce, who's going through a tough divorce. God, that they need to hear today that you love them. And I pray they would move and allow us to pray for strength with them. For the person, God, who's struggling to raise their children. Maybe they don't even know where their children are, God, but they they need you. They need you to speak to them. I pray for them, Lord, that they will begin to move and move out in the hall where we can pray with them, that you would touch them. I thank you, God, for speaking to their heart and speaking to their lives. Lord, I pray for the person here today who is struggling under the weight of condemnation. I pray, Lord, that they would begin to cast off those chains as your spirit moves in them, Lord. And I pray that they would hear you speak to their hearts that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I pray they would take a step of faith by letting us pray with them and believe with them and encourage them. God, I pray for the marriage right now who is, they're, they're struggling. And I pray, God, that this marriage that is dry and that is, 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 is crumbling and that, God, they need you, Lord. I pray that they would begin to move. I pray right now that a husband would grab his wife's hand and that they would begin to walk out these doors and that they would begin to move together and I pray it would be the first steps in a new life for them in Christ and I pray that your spirit would blow in them and through them God like a fresh wind refreshing their lives and their hearts and God that they would be a couple that runs and pursues you with everything that they have Lord I pray and I ask you God just to be with the person right now that feels alone they're right now they're just lonely 
I don't know if they maybe even came here alone, but they can sit in this auditorium with 700, 800 people and feel completely by themselves. I pray that they would move and allow this family of God to welcome them in. And I pray that God, they would know that they are loved by you and loved by us. God, I pray for the person here today who struggles with trusting you because their earthly father simply wasn't. I don't know if he wasn't there. I don't know if he wasn't um, active. I don't know if he, he was just abusive. But God, I pray that they would realize that they have a heavenly father that loves them more than they could ever imagine and would be a better father to them than they could ever imagine. And I pray, God, that they would move. Lord, I pray for all those here today, Lord. So many things represented. So many people, God, that we we won't even have time to hit them all, Lord. But you know, and I pray they would move. And I pray that, God, you would speak to their hearts. And I pray, Lord, that they would be refreshed in you. I pray that they would be saved. I pray they'd be reminded of their identity. I pray they'd be reminded of their calling. And I pray that your spirit would flow through them like never before. God, do what only you can do in their hearts and in their lives. God, we love you. We thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, for being a good daddy to us. In Jesus' name, amen.